Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Before we get into everything we need to get to, what was that? What, what do you is mean? That? What are you talking about? <laughs> what is this song that is playing in my ear right now, Bri? Why? What do you? What do you? Oh, the oh, the song, the <laughs> intro song. <laughs> oh, the song. Um, this it's is um. Wait, Leah, let's give it some time. Is this George Michael? This is a song called Casanova by Lavert. Lavert, and it was passed to us by your boy Eve Derbuz. Ives Derbaus. Um, shout out to your boy. Beautiful. Thinking about maybe entering it into the intro contest. <laughs> the, the or maybe contested <laughs> intro contest. At, at least, or at least chopping it up um, and, and doing a remix myself. Anyhow. Mike, we're into the show now. Welcome back to Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Brian. Hi. I see Hi. Yeah. Um, Netsdaily.com. Um, Almighty, Almighty Baller. Baller. iTunes? We need five stars. If you're going to give us four stars, we don't want you. Whoa. We want five. Five, Brian. They're going to start trolling us now, you realize. Uh, that's also what I want. That's a sub thing uh, that I want. You're baiting them. That's yes. What, that's what the millennials call baiting. Brian. Yo. The Nets are oh, back. Yeah. They've got mm. a win. Okay. The Nets are back. Took me a second. The Nets are back, Brian. What did you think of that uh, intro? I loved it. It was kind of cool, right? It was kind of <laughs> funky. I don't know if we're allowed to use it. Who's Levert? Is this, is this someone who's... Shh, stop. Just, just now that now that I'm actually concerned about copyright issues, now we have to now we have to <laughs> bury this. Always, we're always concerned we're going to get sued for something, so even though the cease and desist letter is not coming. On, that would on be this. a gift to us. Um, uh, hey, we had a Brian. we had a win and yes. a moral victory last night. A, a juicy moral victory. <laughs> a back to back double victory for the Nets. Yeah, a win and a moral victory. Um, let's start with the win. It was exciting, and they won. They beat a team that they are better than. The yep. Bulls, and that was fantastic. That's what this uh, the Nets needed, like a confidence yeah, shot beat them into handedly, the arm. Handedly, um, it was fun to finally see a team have no real shot to actually play against the Nets. I mean, it wasn't that was it a blowout against the Bulls, but it was a game that was uh, it was a demoralizing loss. They got dunked all over by Jared Allen. It was it was um, yeah, it was like. It's not going to happen for you, boys. I think that down the line, um, Bulls and Nets might have an interesting. I think our timelines are sort of succinct. Like they'll be, they always seem to be. They were succinct when they were both kind of like kind of crummy. Yeah, twenty twenty four. But they were like both simultaneously crummy or like medium crummy in like two thousand twelve or two thousand thirteen. So there's a debate around the Lori Market and Jared Allen dunk that um, Jared Allen was obviously on his way to dunk, and Lori Market was trying to get a charge, and that. The ferociousness, the ferocity of that dunk, we should discredit it slightly because Markkinen was standing there to take a charge. It wasn't as if he was trying to take a block. That the debate is, if Markkinen had went for the block and Jared Allen had done the same thing and smacked Laurie Markkinen to the ground. Who's having this? Is this a real debate? Who's having this debate? I saw this make, on this The Jump. Story? The Jump. ESPN's hmm. basketball-dedicated show. One of the producers of the show discussed that the dunk is is not an A plus dunk because marketing was just trying to get a charge and he's getting dunked on by him trying to get fouled. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that line of thinking? Do you do you care if someone is trying to block the shot or trying to get a charge? Does that matter to you? I mean, well, I guess if you're like really trying to get academic with it and be a, a, a turd, <laughs> like yeah, I, <laughs> sure. But if we're just talking about orgiastic dunkingness. Like it looked really cool, and that's that's ultimately what I'm what I'm more 
uh, like I like the you know the NASCAR car crash. I don't really. I'm not going to unpack like how many flips and turns it did when it when it happened. You know, so phenomenal that dunk. Yeah, just, it's really, just and gorgeous. Also, here's the thing about Jared Allen. Like you would think that he's kind of like knock kneed and a little bit awkward, but that dunk he had like a Sean Kemp style like flow to it. You know, it yes. was just a really like natural looking. He here's the thing, and like obviously it's tough to really point this out, but he's a he's a very quick thinker. Because you can mm-hmm. see it on the basketball court. I'm, I may go. I may gush about Jared Allen today a little bit too, too much. Well, I mean, why not? Let's um, there's a couple of things that, that, that I can point out exactly right now as why Jared Allen is like this beautiful baby prospect that is going to be an all-star maybe one day. One is that wow, he is a quick... Wow. Th- Here we go. He, he's a quick thinker. So in the Cavs game last night, um, there's a play where like Jared Allen gets the ball and LeBron's the defender on him by the hoop. And LeBron is just doing the thing where in the flow of defense, he's trying to knock the ball out of Jared Allen's hands, but he's he's moving. And Jared Allen just catches the ball, waits half a second for LeBron to go by, and then he dunks the ball. I think it was a reverse dunk. Mm-hmm. The same thing with the market in play where you saw for a slight second that Jared Allen caught the ball, recognized that Laurie Marketing was there, but he was deep enough in the post that... Any dunk that Jared Allen was going to do, he was either going to dunk it on him or get fouled. Yeah. And then, you know, Jared Allen would go to the line. Um, I think that's still also like people underestimate Jared Allen's um, just his desire to, to yam on people like his his like yes. his nasty streak. You know, they just look at him and they think um, you're just a baby boy. You don't know any better. Yeah. And, and they have it all wrong. You know, and we need like a man. We need like an angry man drop for yeah. for Jared Allen because he is a beast. And attacking the rim. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, a big part of my excitement for him going forward was some of the passing we saw in that Cleveland Cavaliers game. Absolutely. Um, if you can add that to this game, like, what, what's the limit? Like, where where does this guy's skill set drop off? Like, I, we saw him shoot threes or at least attempt to shoot threes earlier on the season. His free throw shooting is just going up and up, up and to the right. Well, I think it's 77% right now. Like, that's what, a, what that's is a huge number. Like I don't, you know, like at what point are we going to be started? Like, what's the comp? What's the comp? What's the what's the ceiling? So like, and everyone keeps bringing up Clint Capella because Jared Allen brought up Clint Capella. He's got so many more things already than Clint Capella, and that's the thing. And it's tough to like. So like, whenever you compare guys from a certain age, which I love to do with the Nets because the Nets have a lot of young players, and it makes them the Nets seem really good if you compare them at a certain age, <laughs> right? But um, yeah. like the the skill set that Jared Allen has begun with is he's athletic, not like. Crazy, super Giannis athletic, but he has athleticism. He's not a stiff, okay? And being seven feet tall and not a stiff is you're already a B-minus center in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's intelligent on the court. He knows what he's doing. He knows where to fit into his role already at 19 years old. Remember him in the start of the season? He was completely unsure. Mm-hmm. He would set picks and not want to roll to the hoop because he knew that he, if he caught the ball, he would do nothing good with it. Mm-hmm. Now he is rolling to the hoop and dunking all over Laurie Marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he shows intelligence, athleticism. He's got the size and he could shoot free throws. The best centers in the NBA over the past 15 years, pretty much none of them have been able to shoot free throws. Yeah. Marcus saw. Yes. Um, Anthony Davis. But, like, Anthony Davis doesn't even count, right? Because we're like, I would put him as a center, but the Pelicans don't even want to put him as a center. For the, I mean, they, they signed Emeka Okafor. Emeka Okafor is now an NBA player. He's doing nothing but blocking shots. It's amazing. His stats are just, no, it'd be a zero across the board and then five or six blocks is what I've been. I still think Okafor's had a better career than Dwight Howard. That's, wow. Uh, no, not just Bold. kidding. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, man. I don't know. I mean, I, I know I know the fan base is getting pretty amped up about Jared Allen, and they should be. I don't know. Is he is he getting overrated or underrated? Uh, me, Mike. I think I still think he's underrated overall in the 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 league itself. Um, speaking of which, do you want to? We can just like pepper in some mail. Yes, please do. Um, let me just start off with Cheer Boy Brooks Getzmeyer. <laughs> <laughs> that was a gem. I was not ready for that for that name, Brooks Gatzmeyer. It was, I was, I don't know. I just went in, and the name just kept going. You know, you're 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 better with names that are the origins are you know Hispanic and yeah. Those are those are your that's your sweet spot. Brooks Gatzmeyer, uh, thanks for hitting us up, your boy. Um, Joe Harris, over or underrated or just rated? Um, went from a defensive liability at least uh, neutral and isn't being isolated by opposing team. Hmm, this is interesting phrasing. Um, he seems to also influence a surprising amount of shots around the rim as a shooting guard. Thanks for making a great pod. Appreciate it, fellas. Appreciate you, Brooks Gatzmeyer. What would you say? Overrated, uh, underrated, properly. Is he even... I mean, he vacillates on a weekly basis from being rated to not rated. This week, he doesn't seem rated. He's not on my radar. Yes. That, that is interesting about Joe Harris. Like he is, he's not just a shooter, right? Yeah. So if you label him, if you're the type of person that labels him as just a shooter, then you are underrating, underrating yes. him. Fair. Um, if we are, you know, so there's like a time when like I was rather have him out there than Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb has now actually I think learned maybe something from Joe Harris, and Alan Crabb's making plays outside the three point line. How about that? Alan Crabb is making plays sort of around the free throw line with his little floaters. Those are good things. Yeah. That's happening. Um, I'm excited to see what kind of contract Joe Harris may get with the Nets because if he gets five million a year for two to three years, then I think the Nets have a massive steal on their hands. Because regardless of um, how good he actually will be, I think Joe Harris is reliably a better than average three point shooter in the NBA who knows what he's doing on the court, who can handle the ball a little bit. And who has a pretty good sense of playing defense. He's not a he's not a disaster. He's not Marco Bellinelli. So a five million dollar a year player at that type of level of intelligence is valuable. I do want to say one other thing. We kind of we haven't brought this up too much. So it looks like Trevor Booker may get cut by the Sixers or something. Mm-hmm. That there's a chance that he there's a lot of rumors out there that the Sixers are just going to dump him because he's not playing at all. He's got a lot of DNPs lately or something like that. Mm-hmm. There is something developing with Kenny Atkinson, and you see this with a lot of the really good coaches, is that when a player like Trevor Booker or Joe Harris is in a Kenny Atkins system, I'm thinking of Brad Stevens, mm-hmm. Quinn Snyder, player, p- coaches like that, that the players end up you know, having career highs in different mm-hmm. categories, and they look really good. Zeller's a guy who looked really good with Kenny Atkinson. We haven't heard him really do anything with the Bucks. No. Trevor Booker was like a, a, what, a 12 and 6 guy with the Nets, mm-hmm. and he's going to get cut by a team that probably should use a guy like Trevor Booker. Um, that will only help the Nets as they move into free agency because players recognize, they recognize sort of like, oh, this coach is going to make me better, he's going to make my stats better, and I'm going to make money by by playing under this guy. Um, and that's the all, all you can really hope for with this team at this moment. But. The Damari Carroll, in particular, one is... is you know, jumps off the page. He's going to get it. If he stays with the Nets right next year, mm-hmm. we don't know if he is. Cause I still think there's something out there mm-hmm. before the draft. I still think before this draw upcoming draft, 
Damari Carroll's name's going to hear that a lot out there. Mm. Not not from my sources, just from my, you know, the sense I have, Brian. You know, it's just out there. You're going to put his name out there. We know. We yeah. know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> um, if he, like, stays with the Nets throughout the whole season and doesn't get hurt, I mean, in terms of next season, he's going to get another really nice contract. Because mm-hmm. exp- think about the Cavs game last night. He scored, like, 10 points in the first five minutes of the game. He was active. He was guarding LeBron, not tremendously well, but he was – you, he's the type of player that can actually – you could put in front of LeBron and not be embarrassed, mm-hmm. and that's a key to have in the NBA. Big. And also, something unique about Damari Carroll, which I think he's like the best on this team in terms of not getting an open three-pointer, but getting like the – someone gets the offensive rebound for the Nets and they throw it out to Damari Carroll. I have confidence he's going to make that shot, and that's huge. Um, <clears throat> do you want to move on to uh, a similar uh, – well, a question that parlays nicely into this? Please do. Next up, cheer boy, Eves <laughs> I just never know what's going to come out when I start going. Um, so he started, so he also in this email referred us to uh, our potentially new intro, uh, Casanova by Levert. Thanks, thanks for that, um, So it says the only topic we're discussing is the current rotation. Apologies for discussing other things. Oh, I apologize. That was was on us. Um, (laughs) The future is D'Angelo Russell, Karras, uh, I ain't much on Casanova Levert, Crab slash Carol, doesn't matter which, because you're hoping to find find or draft your uh, small forward of the future. Um, Rondé had better develop into a... uh, Draymond Green, Hollis Jefferson, um, and Jarrett, serve me a dose of STFU. Alan, this is, I'm reading verbatim, you can tell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, says, I love Dinwiddie. My son wants to change his haircut to be like Dinwiddie's because uh, totally he loves the dude that. so much. But Spence is 24. He's near his peak potential. He's a backup. He's our ultra Sean Livingston. He's not the starter if Marks Atkinson um, must have an idea. Congrats on being the best Nets podcast in the universe. And please discuss. Congrats on being the best twitter nets twitter dude i don't know mm. something don't be, don't be <laughs> <Eric's> better so <laughs> no come on um anyways thanks Eve. love you back um eve so his rotation is d'angelo lavert either crab or carol ronde at the four jared allen at the five so basically the big thing is dinwiddie right he wants to um to slide him off and move him to the off. bench um so okay so we saw Lavert and Hollis Jefferson off the bench last night. Do you think the Dinwiddie, uh, D'Angelo Russell experiment has been going well thus far in the last few games? Has it passed the eye test for you? Yes, and I I, I think they work well together because I think Dinwiddie Dinwiddie seems to recognize that he does have to give something back to De- to D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know. This is like this is lame right but like there does seem to be a certain amount of respect and friendship between all those players and i think that helps i think it helps that dinwiddie's not resentful that d'angelo's coming back and obviously d'angelo is more of the future than dinwiddie mm. and that d'angelo's not doesn't seem to be resentful that dinwiddie was popping off when he was hurt um i still like i still like the sense of having dinwiddie and d'angelo start and levert coming off the bench I really love Lavert playing against twos, like backups, because, like we, again, we saw it in the Cleveland game. His size as a ball handler is really tough for people like backups to deal with. You know his size and athleticism because he's handling the ball and going to the hoop. And normal point guards are not being able to block his shot; they just have no chance because he's six seven. Mm-hmm. But he's also handling the ball and he's got a really nice like sort of sense of his body in the air. Um, 
I don't see any reason reason to to rush moving Dinwiddie to the bench or putting D'Angelo on the bench and moving Levert into the starting lineup. You know. Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like, what are the big the main differences between Levert and Dinwiddie? Well, first of all, I think Levert is putting on a little bit of muscle on his chest. Have you noticed this? He's getting a little bit. Sizier, shoulders are getting bigger. It's I'm I was confident. His facial hair too. He has that little bit of hair right here on the chin. Yeah, and a little mustache growing. I'm liking that look. I think he was pounding on his pecs while he was uh, hurt there for <laughs> for a bit. Um, but it's it's nice to see. So if you can add like <laughs> you like that, bad. doesn't sound great. Um, but so if you, I mean, imagine how much that'll help if you can like add some. If he's pounding his pecs, if he's pounding his pecs to the point his where he's add, adding some serious muscle, like his game in particular, like it's not particularly vertical it's more of the horizontal it's not la vertical it's not that la vertical um <laughs> nice, nicely done let's take a minute to thank our sponsors for that joke um i don't know why i said that anyway <laughs> do 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 that's what that's the sound i think our sponsors make is like do 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 we're sponsored by law and order today this week. um wish we were yeah Get on that, Brian. Hey, yes. uh, anyways, so they need fresh blood. So I think the big difference between Dinwiddie and Levert is a like outside shooting, right? Um, Levert doesn't do it as well, or or with as much, um, I don't know, gusto as as Dinwiddie does. Right. Um, and Dinwiddie can't probably can't break down his defender as well. He certainly can't get to the rim as well. He can break down his defender comparably, but for more more looking to pass than to score. Um, so it's like okay, so what's you know what do you want in your first in in the first unit? Do you want more slightly more playmaking scoring or slightly more passing? I would say probably I don't know I don't know. it's really a weird mix or match situation. It really depends. Like Dinwiddie's minutes aren't going anywhere. Obviously he's been everyone's been back for a little bit now, and you know he's still hovering around thirty minutes. Um, but you can tell his shots per game have have fallen off a cliff. Which you can, which is a good thing because he was shooting like fourteen attempt, field goal attempts a game at one point. Yeah, I mean he's going and it, not over the season, but over a certain stretch of the season, and that was too much for Spencer Dinwiddie. That's not what you want from a guy who, you know. So the comparison is maybe like an ultra Sean Livingston. Um, I, I still think Dinwiddie is more than that. I think Dinwiddie is the type of player that could be starting on a couple of playoff teams, not a ton. He's not, you know, Chris Paul level, but he is a guy who, you know, if you put him on the Bucks, they have Eric Bledsoe. But I think a lot of teams would like to have Spencer Dinwiddie, just your stable, you know, decent three-point shooter, good size, good defender, smart player. He complains about the refs way too much. I think we all agree with that. Yeah. Right. Um, it's all a little too ridiculous with that. But I want more Dinwiddie D'Angelo because they have a big question two years down the road, a year and a half down the road where they're going to have to decide whether they want to give Dinwiddie a contract. And you can't, you know, you're going to have to make a decision whether you want to keep him with D'Angelo if, or if Dinwiddie's the guy over D'Angelo, which I don't think is the case. I mean, I, I think D'Angelo has proven, even as he's come back, like, okay, the Cavs game. We, we didn't talk about that final play yet. The, the one where he gets trapped in the corner after passing around with Jared Allen, mm -hmm. and he tries to go for a flailing shot where he acted like he got fouled. You know, that that's something we haven't had to deal with too much this season in terms of um, are the young guys play within sort of Atkinson's system, and D'Angelo's the one guy who's been, who is given the freedom to sort of do whatever he wants. 
And those type of plays don't happen with anyone else but D'Angelo. D'Angelo is the type of guy who will give you, you know, four straight threes in a row or whatever spectacular plays. That play against the Cavs at the end of the game where the Nets could have won the game or could have at least tied it up, but yet he does that weird shot in the corner. Well, it wasn't just that. He, he put, like, he passed, he did a handoff past Jared Allen first in a place where he had no business being, which yes. then resulted in him being trapped. It was just a bad decision. Bad, bad playmaking. Um, and it's one of those decisions that, like, the three decisions leading up to that final decision of the flailing shot right. were all bad. Right. And that's they, it, the flailing shot is a consequence of that um, more than anything else. Um, yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's like Jared Kushner's security clearance getting downgraded from top seed to secret. There's there's multiple exactly decisions, like <laughs> multiple decisions leading up to that one. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's interesting because um, when when D'Angelo Russell is playing well, uh, it's because it looks so fluid and in the in the course of the game. It's when he's not he like it is optically fluid, but it is also like you know um, I don't know it, like temp- it's in timing with the game, right? It's it's not it doesn't seem like yes. he's like uh, doing anything like way outside of himself to like try to make you know spectacular plays or anything. It just kind of is happening. All of a sudden, you look at the score box uh, the box score and he's got like twenty five points. So like oh that's weird. Like I didn't really like I wasn't paying attention to that for the most part. Um, but his failures are so slow and spectacularly awful. Like they, <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> like they are so um, abundantly clear. Like what went wrong there that they really jump off the page. Um, and you know they still happen at a at a fair tick. Um, like I'm I'm fine with like that payoff. Like, but it's just I think like his his particular brand of messing up is just so like wh- like wow that was really bad. Um, and it starts with like what you're saying. It's like a cascading effect of bad decisions. Like for like he gets baited into like dribbling into the lane, and then people close in on him and stuff. Like people people still like they can kind of get in his head. Like if you have a smart defender against him, like like George Hill or whatever, like a savvy veteran, like they can make him do. Um, they can just like bait him into bad ideas, um, and that's how those things happen. But still, like twenty two, just turned twenty two, Mike. Just turned twenty two. Got a, a guy with that much time on the ball. Like you got to give him some time to mess up. And I think we have another email. There's a question about Lonzo Ball between right. So there's oh, some man. there's some question, and as you pull it up, the question is basically, um, would you rather have Lonzo Ball or D'Angelo Russell? Um, yes, here it is. Uh, I'll just do it. Hey, why not? Oh, jeez. Cheer boy, Brendan M. Unit. I don't know how to pronounce that last name. That was inspired. Uh, but there is, the last three letters are Y and H. So that, you know, yeah, it's a tricky one. Anyways, uh, cheer boy Brandon. Hey, what's up? Uh, hi, guys. My name is Brendan. I want to throw a quick question out as a lifelong Nets fan who has a friend who's a Lakers fan. Um, is he really a friend, Brendan? Ask yourself that. <laughs> really? Um, we have long arguments all the time about Lakers versus Nets. I wonder how those go. How could you? <laughs> Lakers have been good. Nets have. That should be a podcast. Yeah. Laker v. Nets. Um, and stuff like that. I want to ask you guys, would you rather have Lonzo or D'Lo? Uh, would you th- who do you think is better in the future? Same goes for Kuzma. Um, thanks for reading my question. Um, so I'm, I don't know what... I mean, so if we're comparing... Like, who who would you just rather have some some total? Because first of all... They probably shouldn't have traded D'Angelo Russell. They would have coexisted probably pretty well, right? Yes. I think everyone can assume that. Yeah, but they had to. So this is what they had to Presuming do. Presuming they don't get any big free agents or whatever, which is not safe to presume. But you know, yes. But anyways, so um, so that's worth discussing. You you want to take that to your Lakers friend? Be like, hey, your knucklehead GMs, you know, didn't have to do that. 
Maybe. Maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe if you get Paul George or whoever else, it'll be worth it. But um, straight up, who do I want right now? Lonzo Ball or D'Angelo Russell? Um, I think I want D'Angelo Russell, TBH, dude. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go as as ballsy as to just answer the question, you know, which I never do. It's a thing I don't do. I think that um in the grand scheme of things, the ability to uh put the ball in the hole is is still paramount in terms of basketball skills. Um and as far as I can tell, like it it may happen for Lonzo Ball where you can be like an elite scorer. That might still happen. I'm not saying it won't, but D'Angelo Russell seems way more on his way to being a um, yeah, super elite scorer. Um, so if you're like, I value that as a Harley Davidson. Pro- I'm going to go out and kick his ass. <laughs> I'm going, if I could, I would. In your blue uh, UV glasses, if what I are they? Only had the time. Tell everyone what you're wearing. My uh, my wife got two for one blue light blocking glasses, and she got me a pair. So uh, good look. I'm wearing good one look. of these now. It's not a sponsor of the show though, so we can't. Oh, not yet. Not yet. We have to wait good for this tease. Law and Order spot to dun, dun. the inventory to run out um so like the question about between lonzo and d'angelo different players that's the thing if i'm the lakers so if i can remove lavar ball from the situation the lavar ball family drama all that stuff you can't mike i'm gonna do that i would rather have a guy like lonzo if i'm gonna then get paul george and lebron because i'd rather have you know lebron's gonna handle the ball a lot I would rather have that guard who's also really good at just passing, doesn't need the ball that much, moves the ball extremely quickly, and that's what Lonzo does, than D'Angelo, who is his destiny, hopefully, will be someone like James Harden. It's not someone who is like Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd is the ceiling for Lonzo. Um, the ceiling for D'Angelo is James Harden. For the Nets, I'd much rather have D'Angelo Russell because Lonzo, Lonzo and this team would be interesting because he... It, I mean, it would just be totally weird. Um, they would lack in scoring so greatly with Lonzo. D'Angelo ha- is going to offer so much more over his career to many more teams. To many more teams, I'd rather have D'Angelo, I think, than Lonzo. Because every team could use a 20-point g- game score. Not every team could use a guy who gives 10 assists a game. Whatever. Zero be. sum. You have to draft one of these two players. D'Angelo. For sure. Do you mean it? For sure. For sure. Um. I would. I know people love Brandon Ingram, but I'm I'm still unconvinced that Brandon Ingram Me is too. ever going to be like super. I know his stats are fine. His stats are good, and he has the size and all that stuff. I say this over and over again. I just see slump shoulders and Sean Marion, th- third third best player in a very not, good team, but not but like yeah, like that, but not what Sean Marion was. I value more what Sean Marion did and what Brandon Ingram is going to do. I think Brandon Ingram is going to be a nice. A very nice piece in an offense. A taller Chris Middleton. That's what I go for. Chris Middleton always kind of blows my mind. Like, he's so under the radar. And he's putting up nummies. But that's, I think that's a Bucks thing. Because yeah, Michael Red was yeah. under the radar. And then, Jabari Parker, too, to some extent, also under the radar. And, and a 20, they're all 20-point scorers, which is a super rare thing. The Bucks, Bucks have had, like, an ama- there needs to be a 30 for 30 on the Bucks if there hasn't been already. Because they have an amazing history of basketball players. or Not even, like, I'm not amazing, but really good to all-star. A consistent string of them. And no one cares about the Bucks. Nope. No one cares. I mean, they've had Giannis and uh, Kareem. You could, if you made an all-Bucks team, 
an all Bucks team versus most of the NBA would win. I mean, you had like Gary Payton and, uh, and Ray the, Allen. Ray Allen in those years. And was Oscar Robinson at all attached to a Bucks franchise? Don't do that to me. Don't don't ask me. Yeah, I don't know. But um, but if you if so if you actually did that, you know, like the Lakers or the Celtics would be one or two, and then you would go the Chicago Bulls just because they had Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and you could create enough other guys like healthy Derrick Rose, um, healthy Derrick Rose. <laughs> that's about it. Mm. But then beyond that, I mean, the Bucks are going to be right up there with best franchises in terms of history of players. Um, quick amendment to a previous episode. Boy, Louis Torres was talking about, can we take a moment to be thankful that we don't have tiny hands at PG? Um, we did not know who he was talking about, and that was stupid of us because he was obviously talking about Shane Lurkin. Yes. And he corrected us yes. later. And so that, thank you. That was the correct. And that's stupid because that was a big that was a big thing. You, Shane Lurkin even walked around palming a basketball at a shoot around to to prove his enormous hands. Which I can palm a basketball and I have what I've got normal hands. You can palm a basketball? In the right conditions. If you're like if you're like if, if it's not in the game like if it's the right kind of sweatiness or whatever, I like, give me your hand. Give me your hand. Let me see. Oh my god, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Yours is so much bigger. Like if we actually. Oh my Here's god. Here's what it's about. It's really about the extension or the how far can you separate your. Isn't there like? And remember, your there's like exercises. I think like NBA players do exercises before the combine where they. I had a basketball coach that made us palm the ball, just slap the ball over and over to strengthen our hands. He was convinced that strengthening your hands was something that nobody did. And that it was very important. That's like very European. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so we had <laughs> we had the draws in uh, sort of memories, right? Because the the Nets. The Nets did a memorial. You know, they they handed out the starting lineup figure for him in the Bulls game. Mm-hmm. Zach Lowe had a wonderful piece about him in his you know in his career with the NBA, and it's like very European to look at like a small element that you wouldn't care about, and then be like, oh no, but that's the difference. That is why this person is great. Um, I'm going to do one last question. I'm going to fold a couple of people in there, but uh, let me just get to Cheer Boy Rob Greco. Thank you, Rob, for hitting us up. Um, hey, guys, love the show. Love you back, Rob. If LeBron to Houston is a viable idea this summer, assuming he signs for something close to his market value, Ryan Anderson would seem like the likely piece that would have to go. What type of offer do you think we could swoop in with, thinking that they would be willing to do anything to make LeBron happen? Um, two, likelihood of a Brook return this summer. Um, funny that you should package both of those guys together because they're best buds. And, and would want to go somewhere together. But Ryan Anderson, as I think you infer, has a prohibitively expensive contract, yeah. um, and it would require what? A lot of a lot of stuff. I mean, the Nets, uh, if obviously if LeBron was going to go to Houston, the Nets would not have to give up a single thing for Ryan Anderson. The Rockets probably would have liked to have given up Ryan Anderson anyways, just regardless in any situation whether LeBron is not going to be there or is going to be there. Um, the Nets would have to give up nothing. So if you want Ryan Anderson as a Nets fan, you can have him. He will be available. The Nets would maybe have to give up Quincy Acey. <laughs> yeah. It would be like a, a player who doesn't matter. Who would Because the Ryan Anderson contract is crazy big, and at this point now that they have Chris Paul and James Harden. Right, so the point is like, <clears throat> what kind of sweetener can the Rockets attach? And honestly, I looked through their roster, and there's nothing there that I really want at this point. It's weird because they're so good, and I don't want any of their players except for James Harden and Chris Paul. Yes. Yeah. And it would have to be an Alan Crabb-type trade. The only reason why the Alan Crabb trade happened with the Nets, the Nets were the only team that seemingly could have done that trade, is because Sean Marks likes Alan Crabb. 
That's the only reason why they took on that big contract, the contract that, of course, Marks put to him in the restricted free agency deal. So Sean Marks would have to love Ryan Anderson enough to just take on that contract. And while I thirst for that stretch four, Brian, I know we all do, I do not want to pay $22 million a year, whatever it is. That's not the stretch four you're looking for. That is not the stretch four you are looking for. That is not the we're, stretch four. We're yeah. waving at each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So who do you get? Who do you, how, how, how do they get rid of Brian Anderson without attaching? I mean, what do you attach to Eric Gordon? Does anyone want Eric Gordon? Probably not. Who wants... Who wants uh, Trevor Reza? Who wants so like and Clint Capel is a restricted free agent, I think. So it's not like you. It'd have to be almost like a massive side in trade where you give Ryan Anderson plus you allow the sign in trading of Clint Capella, and then the the Rockets would have to take back some awful contracts. You know, sort of in between. It, it really doesn't work. They'll if LeBron wanted to go to Houston, they'd find a way to do something. Obviously, and Daryl Moore is the type of guy who would say, "If I have James Harden, Chris Paul, and LeBron, I'm willing to give up everyone else in the world just to get those three. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to do one last quick email. Please, this is more. This is more your thing, and, and it's, that'll be the end of it. But it's <laughs> it's your boy, Frank Swazinski. Sorry, I don't know why these names are cracking me up. Swazin- they just feel like fake names. Frank Swazinski. Um, sorry, Frank, in front of your name, dude. Um, my last name is Smeltz, so it's yeah. That is a know, fake. That's like, like, yeah, like, hilariously. We fake all. Name. I am with you. That's like when you need to come up with a fake name, and you're like oh, Smeltz. Smeltz. <laughs> Smeltz. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Um, basically, he's talking about. Um, he's talking about Otto Porter. Okay, do that's you, my boy. Do you think Sean Mark still has it uh, in for wanting Otto Porter in a Nets uniform? Um, I know this can't happen until July 8th, but something along the lines of Carolyn Mozgov for Porter and Gortat. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts, break down on this series. Would, would the Wizards consider it? Um, and thank you, Frank, from Connecticut. It's your boy. Um, no, they would not consider that. Yeah. No. Otto's having a good season here. Otto's having a good season. He's way younger. He fits what the, the Wizards want to do. He's so much larger than he appears. He's Otto his, Porter? Yeah. Yeah. I just can't get over the size of that guy. And it's like, what is Carroll going to give him that's going to move the needle? And Mozgov's, as Gortat sucks, but Mozgov's a downgrade from Gortat even. The the thing that, you know, if you want to watch out for the Wizards, is that very, very soon uh, Kelly Oubre will become available as a guy to be traded. And Kelly Oubre would be someone, if I'm the Nets, I would I would very much like to have. Uh, because they're not... Because you, Kelly Oubre is going to get a $20 million a year contract or something. Mm-hmm. And you can't pay him, Otto Porter the max, Beal the max, and John Wall, who's going to be paid $40 million in you know two seasons or whatever it is. Are they going to trade John Wall to New Orleans for... Um, New Orleans. To, uh, for, for Drew Holiday, so that DeMarcus Cousins and, <laughs> <laughs> and John Wall can be together? No, the problem, you're right. The problem with Drew Holiday, right, is that he's going to be mm-hmm. getting paid yeah. $35 million a year. There's no deals anymore right now. Hard to find. Hard to find. I think that's, again, why the Nets hung on to Joe Harris, because they know that they're going to be able to get him on a cheap contract, a cheapo deal. Let's go to the fun part of the evening. Yes. Sponsored by the Oscars. Can you believe it? Just kidding. Um, Should I do a a killer comparison drop? It's kind of loud. Watch out, everybody. Nice. Um, 
not really a killer comparison. It's more of a power ranking, which is a drop that Mike has uh, waited for me to produce. Thirsting for. For a while. He's been teasing that for for months now. Yeah. And um, I got to pull up my list here. Let me pull up my list. I have mine here on pen and paper. I'll start with mine. So basically what we're doing is we're just ranking the top five basketball films of all time yes. in honor of the Oscars, which is a thing that Mike, Mike is kind of a basic person. <laughs> okay, for sure. <laughs> he loves sure. an award show ceremony. Don't look. Yes. Yes. Okay. I got my, my wife. Uh, I said to my Should wife. Just knock my tech deck off. My yeah, I knock your freaking <laughs> tech deck off. Speaking of basic. This yeah, is my wife. Nothing basic about tech deck. Um, I would love to watch the Oscars with some friends. That's what I said. Wow. And then she came back with me like, our two friends want to watch it with us. And I said, well, that makes me happy. And that's the kind of guy I am. I just want to sit, eat bonbons, and watch the Oscars. Bonbons. <laughs> what are bonbons, Not, by the way? Uh, they're like chocolates. Oh. Yeah, I do want to eat those. <laughs> those sound just, delicious. You just don't want artichoke dip. Whatever. It can be anything except artichoke dip. <laughs> artichoke, artichoke dip is disgusting. Do you... So you're kind of a picky eater then, yeah? No. Artichoke dip is just like the thing. Is that the only thing? I bet if I start rattling off things, I'll find that you're picky eaters. Never know that they're picky eaters until like I was talking to a guy or my my wife was telling me there's like a guy at her office that has kids and one of them's a picky eater, one of them's not. And I was like, is he a picky eater? And she's like, he claims not to be. It's like boom, already I can tell you're a picky eater. The guy, (laughs) the dad. No, I'm not. Oh, oh, look, look at that. But then you start (laughs) then you start grilling him. He's like, yeah, I don't like peas. That's the only thing. Okay, well, think about the flavor template of a pea right pretty general right not a not a big bold flavor if it's like yeah if it's like you know pomegranate <laughs> not seeds on the or show something. ugly delicious they're not doing an episode about <laughs> right. peas right maybe they will so that's if so when you start you know and then you find out oh grapes and then anything that like pops or squirts or you know that's sweet <laughs> there's a person Whoa, that's that's okay. that's a person all right what are we talking about here brian popping and squirting, popping and squirting. uh number five <laughs> on your list okay so i do want to explain kind of ahead of time this is a personal thing. This isn't like, you know, oh God, historically, we're not we're not throwing them into the Basketball Hall of Fame as the greatest films of our generation. These are personal. Right. Um, should we do honorable mentions first or? No, honorable mentions before the the last, before okay. you say the first one. Okay. So my number five is a um, TV show. Oh, my Lord. And I this is a special TV show. So it's number five on the list. One Tree Hill, Brian. Whoa! Did you ever watch One Tree Hill? I've not seen one single moment. Oh of my one god! Tree Hill. Basketball was a central element to the the show's drama. I do know the name Chad Michael Murray though. Chad that, Michael that Murray comes to mind. <laughs> there, there was, uh, I think he was like the the orphan from the tracks, the other wrong side of the tracks, and then there was a a rich kid from the other side of the tracks. But they both had the same dad, and their dad played at North Carolina, and they both played on different or the same basketball teams. I don't what? remember the details, but I loved that show Is growing this up. For real, Is and this basketball was like a big part of that show. They had multiple scenes out on a nighttime basketball court. Whenever there's a moon out and people are playing basketball, sign me up. One Tree Hill, number five on my list. Number five for me, The Basketball Diaries. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Just kidding. Like, do, you, do you remember that movie? Yeah, Leo. Um, it, was, it was Leo and someone else, right? Leo and like every like crummy two bit like guy with a New York accent from from that era. I don't even know what that movie's about. I, someone died or someone. It's just it's just like two hours of of Leo DiCaprio like like wailing for money from you. Mom, I just need money, mom. <laughs> it's the whole movie. <laughs> Terrible, and just like it just has a constant like runny nose. A runny nose the entire film. It's hard to watch. Hard to watch. A um, great title. 
No, I'm actually going to go with the Lenny Cook documentary. That we I went back and watched it. Oh, I'm going God. all documentaries I first of all. Let me just say, I see how this goes because I like Brian's going to try to seem smart. Everyone, this is this is what it okay, is. Okay, so first of all, the Lenny Cook documentary. <laughs> if you've seen it, you would not come away thinking Brian's trying to be smart because it's like a real two bit production. I hate to say it. it's but it's not like a well produced thing. You? I went and looked, and that's not true. I uh, thought it was Joaquin Noah's like uh, production. Yeah. It's some other thing that's not dissimilar. But um, if you don't know who Lenny Cook is, he's like a uh, he was. So this is. I think this is a cool thing. If you not if you haven't seen it, like I'm recommending some movies here. Yes, uh, Mike, you're so sensitive to like status and like. <laughs> You yeah. and your One Tree Hill, I dude. The, I came from the you, streets, man. You and your like friends and your One Tree Hill. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> Dawson's the Creek. The Lenny Cook documentary is <laughs> is good, and it cuts deep. It's not well produced. It's like you're going to find it's going to be like a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. So, But don't be afraid of that. Just get through the, the poor production quality, and you see a pretty uh, heartbreaking little snippet of like, you know, the, you know, you see all these stories going right. You don't yes. often see the you know you're going all in on your NBA career and it falls apart before you make it and what that you know the consequences of all that because the defiant ones on HBO was essentially about two billionaires right let's let's get a little more of people who who tried who shot for the stars and and came up short yeah so let me cook. so Mike that's listen, number five if Good. I'm gonna start talking about these movies you're gonna if what's gonna, you're like you're gonna be like Space Jam four through one like I, I can't. I can't relate. It's to on you. the list. Uh, why do you do your number four, and then I'll do my number? Four. My number four is the Sixth Man, starring the starring the Wayne's Brothers. <laughs> I don't even know that movie. You don't know the Sixth Man? No, tell me about it. Just kidding. This is I have a fake list. I have a real list on a fake list. <laughs> so, but the, you've never seen the Sixth Man? No. I, we, me and my uh, our ex pod partner, whose name shall not be spoken. Um, we got so excited to see The Sixth Man. I don't know why. It was just like we saw a trailer for it. We were like, we have to see this movie. It's about <laughs> yeah. the Waynes brothers, Marlon Waynes, and uh, well, Damon? No, not Damon, actually. I think I think it might just only be Marlon Waynes. I don't know. I have to look at it. Anyways, it, and his, he and his brother go to UConn to play basketball together. Great. And then his brother dies because Aww. he dunked, hung on the rim, swung off it. <laughs> <laughs> and is died this, in a game. Is this a comedy or is no? This, this what? is a, this is a serious. Movie. There's like comedy elements to it, but then his ghost comes back and like <laughs> helps Marlon Wayne like win a championship. No, he no, was no, like no. playing with the ghost. This can't be a real. This drama. is a real movie. It's like a semi. It's like a drama with some comedy elements to it. I think like <clears throat> they probably sold it as a comedy, and then they were like, actually, let's like. Let's. We have an opportunity here to like say something. <laughs> and then, because it's funny, because I was thinking, it's like, it, would, did this come after or before Sixth Sense? Because, good question. Because Probably if it's a ghost talking to someone, and you have the Sixth Man and the Sixth Sense, there's like a there's a line between those two that's <laughs> they not were just that hoping far that, apart. Like, people would like hear the Sixth in the movie phone and be like, okay, that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> movie phone. Yeah. Uh, those yeah. are the days. All right. So you you that's number four no, for you. Um. So. Number number four for me, like I know that this is like kind of like an empirically bad movie as well, but he got game. Everyone talks so much trash about he got game. I love he got game. I will always love he got game. Um, it's it's just from a childhood, you know. It's just like one of those things you're exposed to it like too early. You're like trying to make sense of everything, and um, you have those kinds of movies where it's like you know there's a prostitution and stuff, and you're like too young to see and like don't like know how to make sense of it all. Yeah, <laughs> one that really sticks out in Notting Hill. Um... Do you remember the scene when, like, um, Hugh Grant goes to the hotel where Julia Roberts is at and Alec Baldwin is there at the hotel? Do you remember that scene? Notting Hill? Notting Hill. 
the movie Notting Hill. Oh my god, what is Notting Hill? Let me no, look at this. You don't know the movie Notting Hill? Oh my god, this is a delightful film. Notting it is Hill. Hugh Grant is like a everyday man oh who owns like a little Lord. bookstore in Notting Hill, UK, and Julia Roberts plays this famous actress. And he falls in love with her, and she falls in love with him, but she's a famous actress, and he's just a, an everyman. Anyways, we'll move on. Um, oh, so my God, dude. What I remember from He Got Game is he used Denzel drink a lot of milk in the movie. Is that? <laughs> that is not Is like that what the part. movie's about? <laughs> <laughs> that might, there might be a moment of him drinking milk, but I don't think I think it's... he drank out of the carton, and that always, like, that stuck with me. I was like, yeah. oh, he's drinking out of the carton. Yeah. Because that, that, to me, signified that life's pretty tough. You know, when you're drinking out of the carton, that's that's wow. basically it. That was the takeaway, huh? So, so what well, do you think? Ray about Allen's acting, acting this, which is a problem for like like Spike Lee going in on non-actors. Had you see Red Hook Summer ever? No. Pretty much unwatchable because he's like, I, you know, we had hired all non-actors and it just shows the entire movie is like really bad acting. I I liked what I liked actually about Ray Allen that's acting in it was that he almost seemed like because there was no acting, he almost seemed like um not a human <laughs> that he was just sort of like this dream uh, figure in Denzel's mind. They like almost his idea of mm. freedom or happiness mm. in wow. some way. Oh my God. No, but like, that's not what it was. That's not what it was meant to be. Did you learn how to unpack all this from one tree hill? Did they, did they <laughs> <laughs> this is my one, my one tree yeah. hill class at Syracuse. Yeah. Um, but like, because Ray Allen unacted so much that it almost felt like he wasn't human. That he wasn't like a present figure in reality. He was almost like a ghost and unable to like completely deal with reality and handle reality and confront reality himself. Wow, um, you're going in deep, Doug. But I don't think that's that's what that was. I just right. think it was just bad acting. That's your that could be that could be but, there. That could be there. Um, Jesus Shuttleworth, uh, best name in any basketball movie? No, not for you. For me, it is. I always like Sham. I mean, God, Sham God is the real best name ever. Best and name ever. And also the name for a forthcoming podcast, which somebody has to take, but Pod Sham Pod has to happen. I don't know who's going to take it. Yeah. Um, my number four is Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> That's real, too. I feel that. Didn't You're you, just trying to say that. Didn't, no, no. But didn't you grow When you saw Eddie, you, you liked Eddie, right? When you first saw Eddie, when you were a kid, because like when Eddie came out, I think we need to remember how big Whoopi Goldberg was. Whoopi Goldberg was like the funniest woman. Her and Roseanne were the funniest women in America at that time. And she was a true basketball fan. It's a decent New York Knicks movie. Like, yeah. decent. Um, it actually kind of captures the vibe of being like what like what Knicks fans are kind of like. Some are. Um, and I just happened to love well, Whoopi Goldberg. I'll be honest, her... I didn't have a relationship to Eddie in the movie. Like, just didn't care for it. It was VHS in my house. Yeah. For sure, I watched it a bunch of times. Any of those movies were like, um, not League of Their Own, but like Little Big League. We're like random young kids or yeah, people off the street. You're, you're a guy that was like all about the Little Giants. I can already tell before you even say it. Please, come on. Yeah, no. yeah I had a childhood. Um, <laughs> so here's another semi-obscure one. So prepare your indignation here like in advance. Um, this is a documentary. You can find it on YouTube. Very good. Called uh, Hooked about Hook Mitchell. Have you heard of this guy? No. Hook Mitchell, another another sad story. Didn't make it out. Oh no! But rose to some prominence in the interprison leagues. Uh, Hook Mitchell played alongside Gary Payton and Jason Kidd and Antonio Davis and all these guys and Brian Shaw when they're coming out. Um, and they all will say Hook Mitchell is the best basketball player that they've ever played against. All of them to this day will say Hook Mitchell is the best. Had some drug problems. Fell in you know 
to the wrong crowd, whatever. He was like something like forty five years old, could still dunk like an ox, like a you know a but it's like a five ten guard, small guy. Um, anyways, gotta see it. Very good movie. Follows a a semi tragic tale, but also you know a like he 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 found purpose in all of it. You know he found purpose in all of it. That's like, beautiful. Hook hooked. It's on YouTube. I recommend it strongly to everybody. Mike's looking at me like I'm some kind of no. It's just I'm thinking about like the I'm wearing that, a goddamn fedora <laughs> right now. Your movies are hooked, which is about a guy who went to prison who could have been good. Uh, white man can't or not white man can't jump, but what's wow, uh, putting he got it, game? Putting, putting words in my mouth already. He got game, which yeah. is about a dad who's in prison. Look, dude, and Lenny Cook, which is a sad story. I'm gonna have some. Well, they're all sad stories. I like sad stories. Yeah, I know. You like reality. I don't. You like Chad Michael Murray. You like you like a talented actor. Sophia Bush. You like the, the, the cultural appropriation BS that is shoved <laughs> down your throat by CW. <laughs> uh, number three for me is White Man Can't Jump. That's why I said it. Uh, here's your um, street cred. Gotcha. So here's the thing. There's like a weird. We kind of go back and forth about the debate around White Man Can't Jump. It's like, oh, it's way overrated. It's it's not that good. Like, why is there a Rosie Perez plot line about Jeopardy? And then we go the other way. Like, oh, that is a truest sense of a basketball movie because it's actually about just regular people playing basketball. It's not about you know superstars. It's about just regular guys who go out and play basketball on the court. It's an entertaining movie. Uh, Woody Harrelson is pretty damn good in that film. I know Wesley Snipes doesn't look like he can play basketball, but the clothes he was wearing made me want to believe that he could play basketball really well. He's also very short, which really hurts him. I, I think you're underselling this. This is on my list, too. People are whatever. They can say whatever they want. But it, it has the, the huevos enough to talk about the, you know, like the, the cultural elements to the sport, which are, permeates the entirety of the thing. You can't dance around yes. it. And they at least attempt to do it in a, a both meaningful and comedic manner. I don't see why people would be quick to knock that movie. If people really don't like Rosie Perez. I, that I don't I, get either because I, I find love her very Ro- attractive. Yeah, I love Rosie Perez in the movie. Yeah. Um, she would, like, even when I was young, I was like, she was probably my favorite part of the movie when I was young because I was like, Never heard a person like that before, and right. I still haven't. You don't really ever hear people like no, that. It was anymore. pretty awesome, and yeah. I love. And Wesley Snipes also, when that movie came out, Wesley Snipes grew to just, like he was at that time where he was like the coolest actor in Hollywood. I mean, when he did Major League Baseball and then Blade, it was like, oh my god, this guy is. I thought he was the, the best actor, and then well, we know what happened to him. So this is, I guess, the big difference between. Between you know, this is what you're you're finally starting to get to the meat of the thing, you know, because basketball, like many sports, is a cultural intersection, right? Mm-hmm. It's a big meeting place for yes. for this is what you know part part of why the the kneeling phenomenon happened in sports is because it's a cultural intersection, right? And this is, well, this is because this humans stuff, play sports because humans play sports, but also humans <laughs> from all socioeconomic backgrounds meet on the same playing field, and suddenly their individual problems are you know can be thrust into the into the front lines. Whatever. So you're saying just shut up and dribble? Is that what you're saying? Yes, that is the big take. <laughs> Hashtag shut up, <laughs> shut and, up dribble. and dribble. Um, number two. Uh, number two. So this is another sad one, but they're mine are all sad, so that's fine. Uh, but this is also kind of cheating because it's not really a movie. So thirty for thirty, but it's the Once Brothers one, the Vladi Divac, um, and and Drazen Petrovic one. Yes, um, which is great. Honestly, it's really really good. It's one. Of, it's I've, I've cried at this thing before, uh-huh. which is I cried everything. Yes, yeah, says nothing. Says nothing. Um, but if you haven't seen it, I so strongly recommend it. It it, it explains a lot about 
international like <clears throat> competition and stuff, which I had no idea. But these guys playing in Serbia have like a hilariously difficult like trip, like just plot in life, basically. Like from playing in like just the snow in their backyards and these like really rustic gyms to you know getting some kind of prominence. They turn pro at like fifteen and sixteen. Um, anyways, it's really interesting to see like just behind the curtain of of that whole side of international competition, and then also of course there's this you know meaningful relationship between these two players that never really it's like a it's a very sad because you know Drazen dies before any of the things are smoothed over. It's Vladi's like a, a large regret in his life. I can see you tearing up right now as I'm talking about this, Mike. No, I, I'm regretting my number two choice following. This is beautiful what you're saying. You're tearing up. And my number two choice is Space Jam. Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> following your beautiful uh, documentary about, you know, the, the differences between, uh, you know, countries splitting apart. Yeah. Uh, mine are, mine's about realities splitting apart and actually merging together. Oh, interesting. Way to parlay that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you can't tell me that Space Jam is not an awesome movie that was put out at a time in our lives that was the perfect moment in our lives for that movie to come out. It came out. The Civil War in Yugoslavia, the duality there, I is apo- not... I apologize. ...is I not was... dissimilar from the du- the Civil War between reality and cartoon universe. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked your catching of that. Um, Space uh, Jam's phenomenal. Uh, yeah. the, the acting in it is top A+. Plus, uh, <laughs> from the cartoons... Yeah. Uh, even Bill Murray's a bad actor in this movie. Michael Jordan's a bad actor in this movie. Dennis Nedry. Every single one of the, the players who brought in for cameos are can, bad actors in this movie. remember that guy's Newman's actual name? What is Newman's actual name? Something Knight. Yeah. Something Knight. But I, don't, I want to say Brian McKnight, but that's a R and b singer from our, from our formative years. Um, from our... <laughs> the, that movie was top four of my rotation growing up between yeah. that Sandlot Lion King but I could never watch the beginning of Lion King because I would probably cry too much and then I don't know Empire Strikes Back or something maybe but fantastic film great plot wonderful ending and uh, the, some of the best basketball <laughs> we've ever seen honorable mentions Finding Forrester Teen Wolf just right. <laughs> Finding Forrester. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love Finding Forrester. I remember I took made my dad go take me to it because I saw – because it, it's the movie that came out after Goodwill Hunting. It's like I think right. it was by the same producer or the same – it, it was just trying to like affect the same feel. Whatever it was, they were, they were was going like, after oh, it. I was like, Dad, this is the same. <laughs> this is like a sequel. Let's go yeah. see this. Yeah. And it didn't – he like – Sean Connery lived in the Flatiron Building. I think I remember that. Like they acted like he lived in the Flatiron Building – but I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. But he, he was like a recluse who like peeped through his windows to see him playing basketball. The other guy. And what was like his? What was he played chess then eventually? Or was, no, he was, was a basketball pro- player. And then he, but he was like he the next writer? great writer. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, so he went to this like he got taken out of whatever like his like crummy public school to play for a private school or yes. something or like a Catholic school or something. Yeah, perfect. And, yeah, and that's that's how the great whole thing film. Happens. So what else you got? You had. Uh, so those are, and also, <clears throat> this is a weird one. Have you ever seen Hoop Dreams Two? No, that's a, that's a, it's not good. It's really bad. But my first one, my number one is Hoop Dreams. I've loved Hoop Dreams forever. It's by far the best movie about basketball ever. If you still haven't seen it, somehow you are wasting. Michael, you have not seen Hoop Dreams. Just seven at the time. Oh my lord! Seven at the time. Oh, so busy. That hurts my soul. Anyways, it follows Arthur Agee and um, another guy whose name I can't remember, William something. Anyways. The sequel 
follows Arthur A.G. in adulthood, and your friend Patrick Beverly. Hey. So all these other guys didn't make it to the pros or whatever. It's them going from high school to college and, you know, follows that whole, the very complicated, you know, networks of agents and and the business, basically, the side of getting a player from high school to college to the pros. Super predatory, wild stuff. Um, but also, you know, the day-to-day lives of these kids who it's affecting, they're sending, they're shipping them to schools all over the all over the state and stuff. And it's, um, this is heady, very heady, very good, very long, four hours, I think. Um, but worth it. Is this Hoop Dreams 2 or 1? This is Hoop Dreams 1. Hoop Dreams 2 follows Arthur Agee, uh, who's like trying to coach Patrick Beverly, who's just not hearing it. Who doesn't, 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 he's like, I'm going to the pros. I don't care. I'm not listening to anything anyone says to me. And he's just shooting free throws like the entire movie. (laughs) He's like, it basically like, it looks like he's an unwilling participant in the film that he's a part of. Um, and he obviously does very well for himself in the end. But anyways, Hoop Dreams, if you haven't seen it out there, you, you, the the audience member, not Mike sitting next to me who I'm pointing at in their mm-hmm. face, you have to see this movie. Really good. Um, honorable mentions for me before I get to my final one is the whitest basketball movie is Hoosiers. I think we all recognize that at this point. Uh, the worst in retrospect is Joanna Man. Joanna Man, if you don't remember, is who, who was even the comedian who was doing Joanna Man? I don't doesn't even matter who it was, but it came out in that time frame when it was like Juwan Man, the plot of it is a pro basketball player who's like a Rashid Wallace type gets thrown out of the NBA and he cross dresses to then become a WNBA player. Yeah. And we all like it there were multiple movies of that that sort of similar plot that were coming out at that time because we were all suddenly okay with like, oh yeah, that's that's like a fine that's a fine way to um, of course, because the man's a jerk, and then he becomes to realize that women's sports are a legitimate thing. And it's like, that's the only way that women's sports would ever be on TV or in the movies. Here's as if a man was the main narrator of it. And now we look back, I'm like, man, probably, probably was a bad thing. The star of this movie is a name I would not have expected, which is Miguel A. Nunez. I, was, I had no idea that He that had been be in guy. some movies. Juana um, Man. Yeah, good film. Um, best basketball coach is Nick Nolte in Blue Chips. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Blue Chips I yet. still haven't. Um, I know. Blue Chips was almost going to make the list. It's like a mess, uh, but the cameos in that and actually integrating them into the film, you know, because like Shaq played someone and there's a guy who was playing like a Larry Bird type. They they uh, Penny Hardaway was playing essentially Penny Hardaway. Um, that was... It's a weird movie. It's sort of like it's on Hulu right now. About how to um, any given Sunday, what it represents for f- pro football, it's bad and good. The movie itself, Blue Chips is bad and good. Nick Nolte is basically being Bob Knight, and that's your number one. He's <laughs> no, but that's he's the best basketball coach in any basketball movie that I've seen. Okay. My number one is Love and Basketball. Oh my god! Uh, oh my god! Sana Lathan, Omar. I think it's o- Omar Epps. Mike Epps. I'll check which one it was. Um, phenomenal movie about two next door neighbors growing up in LA who both go to USC who are in and out of love with each other and as they grow up one the guy becomes um, uh, a hotshot basketball player the girl is sort of awkward but she actually becomes a good basketball player and in the end they find love it's beautiful it's a wonderful movie it's some of the best basketball they have some of the best basketball they have a dorm room one-on-one basketball scene uh, on a nerf, a nerf hoop that it, that should go down in the basketball hall of fame as being just like one of the greatest love moments of all time in terms of 
like in a movie, I like connections. Like your list and my list are, say so much about ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I'm a it, joke. And your list is like I don't think you could pay me to watch your list. Like I wonder how much you would like Love and Basketball. <laughs> I think like I've seen parts of it on on uh, like Comedy Central or something, or like, not Comedy Central. Where would it be? Probably BET, honestly. Like where, it used where to be on it? TNT. Some VH1 for sure. VH1. VH1. That's definitely for sure. Where I think VH1. It was yeah, um, it's it's well worth it, man. It hit me at the right time. It was one of the VHSs we had in the house. And I probably saw it dude, two dozen it? times. I got to see this VHS collection at your house. I would have a it's field It's mostly day. Disney. It's mostly Disney. Uh, not very many good films. But like what good films did you, like, we had? Like the one we had the Titanic box set, right? Like like what's that? Three v- VCR tapes Is that for right? Titanic. It three. <laughs> I can't think of that. It was pretty epic. Yeah. Jeez. So Love and Basketball is my favorite basketball. My favorite. Wow. My favorite basketball movie you're, of all time. You're like talking yourself out of it as you're saying no, 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 it right no. now. No, because ultimately, like, so I think most people would conventionally say, like, Hoosiers is their favorite basketball movie. Who? Who says that? People believe, people have a love affection. Under the Hoosiers. age of 70, I don't know anybody that will right. say that. Okay, yeah, that's true. And then, like, um, you know, White Man Can't Jump is high up there on many lists, but I think people, again, I, even though we kind of defended it, I think it's a little overrated um, in terms of a film. It's very good, but it's a little overrated. It doesn't deserve the top spot. It deserves to be in your top five, but not in the top spot. Because this is my third movie. There you well, go. we really took a deep dive there, Mike. We, this is like a two-hour pod here. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, so we'll be back next week. Hopefully the Nets will have won some games, more games after that. It's a very interesting state for the Nets because they have 20 wins, and the worst team in the league has 18 wins, and the Nets are perpetually floating on that line of hopefully not giving the Cavs the number one overall pick. It could be number one. It could be number eight. And we're all pushing for number eight. That's what we're hoping for. So that is our pod. Thank you for listening. Good night, Brian. Oh, see you later, Mike. Thanks for having me. Bye. Yeah, boy.